0: Mr. Tom Korsky, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter. Hello there, sir. Morning, Alex. Gosh, there's lots of going, lots of lots of headlines you've got going here. Uh, 35% uh, 35 publishers rather attended this confidential 2020 teleconference uh, with the CRA and Department of Finance to discuss the terms around the $595 million media bailout, which is just uh, it should be canceled the second it can be canceled. Having said that, publishers were asked to submit questions in advance, which of course, then doesn't get reported. The second someone asks me for questions in advance, Tom, I ain't participating.
1: Yeah, this was sleazy. I'm sorry, there's no other way to describe it. And it took us two years to nail this down through access to information. Uh, The Department of Finance withheld the records, and who can blame them? It was like a bunch of gangsters cutting up the cash in the back of the pool hall. 35 publishers, we could guess what some of their names are, But we want them to name names. I want those names. 35 publishers invited to a teleconference with the Canada Revenue Agency on how they can cut up the cash under the media bailout program that's costing taxpayers a half billion taxpayers the one word no one ever mentions you know what they call them now they don't call them news corporations they call them stakeholders that's a word that you use to describe lobbyists who want subsidies and no point does anyone walk out of that meeting and say you know what i just feel dirty but that's what happens when you become a corporate welfare bum it's just all about the money
0: and it has totally undermined uh, the business, you know, uh, and really frustrating, um, you know, mistrust in that. So yeah, interesting. Well, I guess you're, you're going to stay on that one. So it's only been two years. So another few months, maybe you'll get what, what it is you're looking for. Um, interestingly, because there's all these uh, hearings going on right now behind the scenes, like the, the inquiry part is now over, but, but the investigative part is not. And so we're hearing, you know, that the cabinet's use of the Emergencies Act not going to be a unique one in the years ahead. And this comes from the former director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, Richard Fadden, um, talking about, you know, the convoy and, and the fallout of it. And so, again, this is the problem. When you allow the act to be used, it just becomes a thing.
1: Absolutely. The... Inquiry's over, but the judge is holding what, what are really these roundtables where they bring in these experts, knowledgeable retirees like Richard Fadden, as you mentioned, former uh, director of the Federal Spy Agency. And they are discussing issues that are, you know, relevant to the whole Freedom Convoy and subsequent use of the Emergencies Act. And Fadden is really saying, as you accurately quote him, Get ready for the age of disruption. This is the takeaway i I think Alex, you and I have discussed that whatever the judge says mm-hmm. is almost frankly irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What they wanted was a a a situation where governments would have that relationship with much of their electors. The feds have been working on this. They've been farming this for a year and a half now. It goes back to the 2021 election campaign. You want to insult electors? You want to call them filthy names? Then they're going to protest? Then you call out the police. Repeat, repeat, repeat. That's what they wanted, and that's the way it's going to be.
0: Well, the next time, though, it could be another Indigenous um you know, blockade like we saw in 2020 with the rail blockade. Then what happens? Again, this is the slippery slope where the cause you hate today may be one you support tomorrow. If you don't like governments overusing power, uh, that's why you stand up against it. But um, again, the bar has now been set. So where no, we go I, from I, here?
1: Absolutely, I agree 100. percent And there are—I'm sorry to say—there are government apologists who think that there's this was some sort of win. You know, what was second prize? Right. I mean, this was this was no win for anybody. And the protesters felt they had nothing left to lose. I guess cabinet must have a sense that it can that it has everything to gain. But it's not obvious to any of the rest of us.
0: No, look, the polling will show Canadians supported the use of it and getting rid of it, but ultimately it's left us very angry and divided and, and that damage does not just go away. So I agree. Oh, exactly. with no winners yeah. at all. Um, I think this is an interesting uh, issue that you guys dig into. One in five small businesses are going to close permanently. And this was looked into by the Senate National Finance Committee. And, you know, we hear about bankruptcy stories and get the headlines. All the time, but they don 't really tell the true story because if you look at this we 're talking about two hundred thousand operators that will shut down. But when you actually dig into the details um, th- they 're actually underestimating the reporting of it
1: it 's absolutely fascinating bankruptcy figures this is widely misunderstood i, I don 't know why by yeah. uh, by many of my friends in media. Any, if they just talk to the superintendent of bankruptcy, she will tell you that bankruptcy is a lagging indicator. Guess what? You know, I mean, bankruptcy courts were closed for a year and a half. There's that, mm-hmm. and it's also it takes a long time for people to wind up business with their creditors. This uh, data comes from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, based on surveys with their actual members, ninety five thousand. It's a huge uh, database from which to draw. Information and and what does it say it 's exactly that, and the CEO of the Federation of Testifying a Senate committee says y- you don 't understand like a lot of these operators little family run businesses that everyone knows on the main street of your hometown are simply closing, and they wind it up, they walk away, they settle their accounts, and the Pick the uh, sign goes in the picture window thanks for the memory and that's the end of it and anyone who walks your town I can't believe it's just Bank Street in Ottawa it's plywood after plywood after plywood the number yeah. of businesses that have obviously closed is spectacular
0: yeah I mean you see it all over the city of Toronto I don't know how anyone can stay in business it is just that tough um, I think this is interesting not not of course getting a lot of attention the federal d- drug policy heading for ultimate uh, ultimately decriminalization of drugs. So a Liberal MP saying on I guess it was Wednesday or Tuesday in a in a Commons Health Committee and this would be uh, Jean-Yves Duclos who also attended that hearing um, and Minister Bennett also a- appeared at that hearing did not say anything but they did not contradict the MP's claim that this is where we're going.
1: Which was jaw-dropping. This is uh, MP Brendan Henley no one's heard of him, uh, former chief uh, public health officer in Yukon recently elected Liberal MP who states very casually, as a matter of fact, of course, we're inevitably heading towards decriminalization of cocaine and heroin. Are you kidding me? Hey, I have an idea. How about some data? Hey, science guy, how about some data on what happened when you legalized marijuana? They they don't even have an interest in compiling all those figures, including... Demonstrable harms. And like you say, there's two cabinet members sitting there in the hearing and no one says, "Uh, gee, doc, uh, no, we're not quite there yet because, of course, effective January 1st, British Columbia, they will decriminalize simple possession, two and a half grams.
0: Because it's gone so well there.
1: Oh yeah, but the problem is they asked for that and there will be provinces. I I know this is a shock. Oh,
0: Toronto's but- asking for it too. Like they're they're all asking for it. Again, I just don't what's the solu- what's the what's the solution? Are we are we ever going to work to getting people free and clean and healthy and and released from from their demons? That's where I'd like to see the conversation go.
1: No, what they're looking at is Italy in the early 1950s when heroin was legal. And it left them a legacy of uh, institutional corruption and organized crime that made them famous. I guess that's where we're headed. I, uh, the attraction is not obvious, but it was striking that you would have an MP who would mention this casually and no one fell off their chair <laughs> or fled the room yeah. to, to, to call the police. It, it, it was striking.
0: Yeah, well, I I think it's time to call a committee on assisted death. I'd certainly like to hear uh, Mr. DeClose comments on that, because he's been awful quiet about that. I mean, he doesn't seem to think it's a problem either. All right, Um, Tom, we got to go. You have a terrific weekend. We will, of course, talk on Tuesday.
1: Thank you, Alex.
0: That is Mr. Tom Korski with Black Locks Reporter. Subscription-based, always worth the investment. I could have gone, there's a whole bunch more stuff, and I never get to get to all of it, because they do collect a lot.